welcome today on our video uh, with Lost in Translation with uh, Brute Corman in Israel. And I'm here on location in Colorado doing a little family uh, gathering. But uh, we wanted to finish up our series on the fruits of the Spirit, that it's in uh, Galatians 5.22. So it might run a little bit long, uh, but so let's get right into it. Baruch, what is that biblical term? In my Bible, it says self-control or temperance. What is that biblical term? It actually comes from two Greek words. The first one is the word ego. It's abbreviated, and it's just egg, which is where we get ego or meaning the word in greek means self or i me the second word kratos or here is kratea is a word which means to control to have dominion over it's a word that speaks of seizing something and having power over so the word basically is having power authority control dominion over oneself that's the basic meaning of it well, I can see where the word self-control comes from now when you, when you put it that way. So this uh, word self-control, uh, the Apostle Paul must have had, this must have been a strong influence in his life. Um, or what do you think he was trying to uh, drive the message home with self-control? Well, one thing that stands out is that I think there's significance that it's the last fruit of the Spirit. And really, if we don't have self-control, None of these other fruit are going to function mightily in our life in a, a positive way. So in one sense, it's self-control that holds everything else together. It's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of submissiveness. It's a sign of understanding of God's will. So all of these things are foundational in order that we can utilize the the provision of the Holy Spirit in our life as believers. Well, you know, um, one, one of the words that comes to my mind that maybe goes right with self-control would be discipline. Um, and I know that uh, for me personally, um, struggle with uh, food is one of my great struggles. I love to eat. I love uh, the taste of the food. But I know it takes a lot of discipline to, to say no to that. And, uh, but the consequences is uh, gaining too much weight, not feeling good, maybe stomach issues, all the above. Um, and I, Baruch, I've spent some time with you. I know you are very disciplined in what you eat. So, and, and, and all, you know, other ways of your life too. You're a good leader, great mentor. <laughs> and I say that and I'm, and I'm sincere about it. But discipline is a big deal, isn't it? It is a big deal. Uh, my wife may disagree with you on some of the things that you said there, but, but discipline is, and a word that comes into my mind is that we know that, that Yeshua's place that he grew up once they moved back from Egypt is a place called Nazareth. Now, many people make the mistake to think that Nazareth is the same word like the Nazarene vow, but it's not. It's two different letters in the original language in Hebrew, the basis of both the term naz, nazir and the word nazir. Sounds similar, but, but it's not. And the word that reflects the town of Nazareth is a word which means to guard yourself, to observe something, to keep it properly. And what's interesting 
is that some of the scholars point out from a rabbinical standpoint that that, that keeping, guarding, observing oftentimes means that one has to say no to something. Usually, we get into trouble when we say yes. We don't get so much into trouble when we say no. Why? Temptation comes. The enemy wants us to agree, say yes to it. But, but God so frequently wants us to say no, not, not the world's will, not submitting to temptation, not what I want, but, but your will, O oh God. So we say yes to God and no to everything else. And this is really the foundation of discipline and making wise decisions. We need to learn to say no to everything except the instruction of God, the word of God, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So self-control involves discipline. I agree with you. That ability to say no to the temptation from, from this world and from, from demonic influence, of course. Well, you uh, mentioned another great word that I think runs right along with it is uh, submission and how we are supposed to, I think once we can um, acquire the, the correct discipline and, you know, and it takes a lot of, uh, you know, how they say, you know, pull your, put your boots on, you know, and you got to dig deep sometimes. I do for that discipline that I'm looking for to, you know, to say no to the cookies or the ice cream. And I'm just using food as an example. There's many other areas that all of us struggle in and some more than others. It could be sexual addiction. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be um, a number of things that I think um, maybe the Apostle Paul was referring to. And um, you're right, if we let these things get a foothold in our lives, it takes us away from the will of God and what he wants to do in our life. Well, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think you hit something really important, and that is a foothold, a stronghold. That is exactly what the enemy is looking for. And if he gets that stronghold, that foothold in your life, it can just begin with a very, very small thing. But if he gets that foothold in your life, he is going to make it into a stronghold, and he is going to begin to turn you away from where God wants to take you. And, and here we have really the, the principle that I think each of us need to focus in on, and that is the long-term goal. We want to grow, mature. We want to be people that God is, is very pleased with. And the only way we can do that is thinking about what the goal is, what the reward is, what the blessing is, the promises of God, pursuing that. I, I say frequently that one of the things that made the, the patriarchs, I'm speaking about Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, one of the things that made them different is that they were focusing on the promises of God. So something that I ask myself is when I'm undergoing temptation, when I'm struggling with discipline, what I ask myself is this decision that I need to make, and we can't just do nothing, we have to make a decision. Am I making the decision that's going to move me closer to receiving the promises of God when, when they're made available, whether it's in this life or the age to come, or is this decision, this temptation actually trying to rob me of the things that God has. So keeping the promises of God always at the forefront of my objective, this, this helps a great deal in making these decisions, saying no to temptation, guarding ourselves, and, and demonstrating that self-control. Wow. 
Well, no, I know I'm focusing on food a lot, but and I notice that uh, when um, when I do when I'm you know when I'm really strong with my discipline and I can say no to food for several weeks, you know, and I lose a little bit of weight, I'm feeling good. I noticed something in my relationship with God. I notice I'm stronger um, and maybe living in his will. I mean, people, I think, overlook this uh, thing about food. It is a sin if we overindulge in anything. And I think that was one of the, uh, one of the, I looked at Webster's dictionary with temperance, which is part of uh, maybe, me and you talked about it briefly, part of self-control. One of the root words, maybe it all leans or uh, goes back to the Greek word. But temperance, I think, was referring to alcohol and maybe food addictions and such like that. Um, I think this falls right in that same category, though, if we're obedient. And we just, and the obedience part is submitting to God, but the obedience part, too, is also denying myself, denying those pleasures of the flesh and focusing more what you were saying on my, my heavenly, where I'm going in my future, my spiritual walk with God, and not so much on my flesh my day-to-day activities. Yeah, I'll give you an example. I was talking to someone maybe three or four days ago. It was very recent. And he was saying that he's made a big change in his life recently from the consumption of, of news. He was realizing that he was spending, he's a retired individual, and he was spending hours each day hearing the news, researching the news, now, there's nothing wrong with it. That's, that's not sinful to want to be well-informed. But here's what he was saying. You mentioned the word temperance. In my study, that word, not so much from a Greek standpoint, but from an English standpoint, it also has to do with balance. And that's important. We need to find balance in our life. And he was saying, you know, it's not that there's anything wrong with watching the news or going online and, and seeing what's going on in the world. And all of that can be very good but there's a balance to that. If you're spending six, eight hours a day just doing news, he said he found that he was moving away from studying the word of God, from prayer, from doing other things of ministry, helping other people out, getting involved in others' life and such. So he said, I need to define that, that temperance, that balance where I'm saying, I'm only gonna spend one hour a day on news research. He likes that. And he said, I've increased my prayer time, increased my Bible study time, increased going out and looking and being involved in some way in being a blessing to others. So it was just a restructuring, but this is part of self-control. He was saying how he wanted to organize his life for the purposes of God. And this is going to bring us to maybe another aspect that we need and should be talking about, and that is how do we find self-control in our life? Yeah, go ahead. I, that was my next question. If a person <laughs> is struggling with this discipline, um, obviously the Holy Spirit gives us this fruit, this, these gifts. How can someone um, acquire or have more self-control in their life? Well, usually when we're struggling with something, we say, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do that. What happens is we think about all the time that we're not doing it, which creates a desire even more so to do that. So it's, it's not a question of saying, I've got to, I need to control myself. I need to show dominion over my life and everything. That is going to really cause the enemy to work in your life in a counterproductive life. 
it's it's pursuing. We we don't just say I'm going to. We begin to pursue the things of God. We we seek Him. It's not I'm not going to watch news, but I am going to study my Bible. I am going to pray. I am going to. So it's all. And you mentioned this word that I want to come back to: the word submissiveness. It's it's bringing every thought, as Paul says in in Second Corinthians bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah. It's when we strive to obey him, a, a byproduct. And I think for me, this was the, 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 the breakthrough movement mo a moment for me is when I realized, you know, it's not about me controlling myself. It is about me obeying God, me pursuing God, me submitting to God, wanting his lordship, wanting and looking how to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a submissiveness to him, and that submissiveness to him, pursuing what's important to him, it's, it's a byproduct that produces that ability to control oneself, make right decisions, and being engaged in proper behavior, not in the behavior that temptation and what the enemy wants to do. And again, you pointed it out, when I begin to, to engage in something that's not what God has for me, not according to his word, his instructions, every violation of his word shows two things. Number one, I'm not behaving in love towards him. Secondly, it's giving that enemy that, that grasp, that control, and he will exploit that for his purpose. So it's like we say so frequently, the Bible says, if you love me, you'll obey me. So it's really pursuing, loving God. How can I love God? What does he require of me to demonstrate my love? Not that I get a reward, not that I'm blessed, not that I get into his kingdom, not, but how do I simply love him? And when we're operating in love for him, again, the outcome, the result of that is going to be that self-control. Well, and I love how you put that. It's a great story, and it's not even a story. It's it's uh, it's biblical what you're what you're saying. Um, I think in this process, Baruch, that uh, it's not a matter of salvation, like you said. But if you want to have and serve God the best to our ability, make the biggest impact on friends that might not know who Yeshua is, or whatever ministry you're involved in, or even at home with your family, your spouse, your children, this submissiveness, this self-control that we're talking about is probably one of the most important things that we can do because it really does give us the strength, as you know, one of the ways we can put it, strength to do the things of God and do his will and submit to that. Um, any final words on uh, this, this wonderful word, self-control? Well, as we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, all these things, including self-control, but all the ones we mentioned, they are an outcome from the Holy Spirit ruling, dwelling in our life and ruling. And that will never happen until one receives that gift of salvation by faith, when one receives the grace of God. And, and here, God's grace, He produces through his grace all of these things the Holy Spirit does. So salvation is step one. So we don't want to conclude our study of the fruit of the Spirit 
without mentioning all of these are not possible. This, this love, this peace, this faith, none of these things are possible without a salvation experience. And it's through salvation it leads to regeneration, and regeneration is becoming that new creation. And, and the potential is there when we believe, but then the, the manifestation of that is closely related to sanctification. That's the growth and, and manifesting the purposes of God in our life. But again, it all begins with salvation. Nothing good is going to happen in your life or my life spiritually until we receive salvation, that we're, we're born again. I, I saw something that I thought was really neat. Some people were talking about, well, you know, God's not going to punish me for, for this, this behavior in my life because I was born that way. I, I, I've been this all from the time I'm born. Maybe that's true. Maybe you do have that sinful tendency, that sinful stronghold in your life, and, and sin is passed genetically. I'm a sinner because my father and so forth and so forth. We're all descendants of, of Adam, Adam, and Eve, the, the, the first. That's why we're, we're born in sin. But I thought it was so neat. This little stain was, you know, maybe you were born this way. That's why God says you need to be born again. So being born, having a, a sinful tendency, not being able to control yourself. You say, I've never been able to. That's why you need that salvation change, that being born again, so that you become a new creation and you don't live under the desires, the sinful desires of this world glorifying the enemy. But you say, no, you submit to God, you obey him through this salvation experience. You have the potential to do that and you glorify him. That's what it's all about. All this fruit is for the purpose of glorifying God. Yes, if a person, you know, ha has a desire to, you know, if he looks at these videos that we were talking about, with love, joy, and peace, and, and patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, they're empty without salvation. They're meaningless in a, in a human's life. So if a person realizes that what you're talking about, Baruch, what is salvation, and, and how do I achieve that? How, could, how does someone do that? Well, we, we don't achieve it in ourselves, but we receive it. And what's so wonderful, we receive it by, by faith, by simply doing a few things. And it's not works, but it's simply acknowledging. Acknowledging that we are all sinners, that we have fallen short of God's grace, his glory. We're not doing what we should be. That's why his son was sent into the world he died upon that tree, that cross. He shed his blood so that we could experience redemption. There's that connection between blood and redemption throughout the Bible. But here's what's important. We're not talking about the blood of goats and sheep and, and, and calves and such, but we're talking about the blood of the only begotten Son of God. So if this, this other blood of animals could give us a, a, a type of redemption, a physical redemption, brought us out of Egypt into the promised land. When we're dealing with the blood of the very Son of God who became flesh for us, that's why we can be assured that we can have everlasting life, eternal redemption. So just acknowledging our sinfulness, trusting in his work, not my work, but his work, when he died, 
He, he shed his blood, he was buried, but he rose from the dead. And that resurrection speaks of victory. It shows that he defeated sin and death. Death and sin are related. He defeated death. He defeated sin when he rose from the life, and he can give us this newness of life. And that's what we're called to live in today. So it's all what we receive from him. I don't achieve it. I receive it by faith. As Abraham believed in God and God said, you're righteous, we believe in the Son of God, Messiah Yeshua. And that faith, just like it did for Abraham, it produces righteousness in our life. Well, for sure, the reason we tell you these things is we love you. And we want you to experience God's love and, and as Baruch put it, his redemption for us. Eternally, eternal is a long time. I mean, you might laugh at that, but it's forever. This life that we have here on this earth is very short. And uh, when you die, you're going to go somewhere. You're either going to go spend it with our Lord and Savior in heaven or the new kingdom, or you're going to spend it in hell. And there's a lot to be talked about there, but it's that simple. Um, we want you to spend it eternally with him and us, as we're going to do. So we pray that you take this step and ask Yeshua, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, into your heart. And he'll change it. He'll do the rest. He'll convict you. And Well, we love you. We thank you. Brooke, thank you for your knowledge and all the homework that you do and, and in your teachings that you spread it around the world um, and taking the time in Israel to... Uh, to go over these really important topics that we have. So again, thank you for joining us at Lost in Translation with Dr. Brew Corman. I'm Ronnie Houlihan. And uh, we'll be back next time with another video. We don't know what we're gonna do next, but I guarantee you this, you're gonna like it. It's gonna be important, it's gonna be biblical. Thank you, we love you, have a great day.